CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And while you're at your computer, like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and make sure to join our conversation on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and at CIO Talk Radio, and look for this show using hashtag giving. Today's topic is IT empowered giving and our guest for today's show is Peter Ransom. Peter is the chief information officer with Oxfam. Good morning Peter, how are you? Good morning. Uh I'm very well. How are you? Very good. So which part of the world do you uh, hail from? Well, I'm based here in Oxford in England, uh, although I live in northwest London, so I have a bit of a commute each day. All right, so you've got commute and you've got a 20-hour workday, right? <laughs> well, doesn't everybody in this role nowadays? Oh, definitely. I definitely see that happening. Now, your world is especially very important because as we have uh, a dog-eating dog world out there where we are all talking profits, we are all talking about how to beat the competition, you are trying to help a parallel world we have where people are not as fortunate. And that's where we have to make sure that we do not forget that that's an important part of who we are as humans. So with that said, while we have our own challenges, you would have your own. Let's inventory some of the challenges that you see in that world as a business or as an organization. And then, of course, we will talk about what does that translate into for you. Yeah, sure. And I think you're right. It's it's a business. We're a business like any other organization. And um, it comes as a surprise to many people to think about us as being in a competitive sector, but we are. There are a great many charities uh, just in the UK, but of course around the world. And we're all uh, trying to convince you of uh, donating your hard-earned money to us so we can do uh, good with it. We hope so. It's it's just as challenging as the business sector. Um, you, as as people who invest in us, whether it's a government, large donor, or a private individual like you and I, um, you want to know that your money's going somewhere uh, and, and doing some good. So I think you know, from a, if we take it from the IT perspective, what yeah, you know, what are the challenges we see? Well, we have operational challenges, and that is uh, unlike many businesses, we have to go into areas around the world where infrastructure is poor. Um, we're probably going there because there's there's been either a disaster or infrastructure needs building up, and therefore, from an IT and technology point of view, it's a very challenging environment. And nowadays, communications in particular, I think, are probably one of my, my biggest challenges. So um, we use computers in the field like anybody else. Oxfam GB has about 120 offices active at any one, one uh, time in well over 60 countries around the world, and, and it's a 24-7 operation. Uh, and some of those offices can be in, in nice locations, like, like I happen to be sitting in at the moment in Oxford, where I have a, a, the convenience of a 200 megabit uh, link on an MPLS circuit. Uh, but I've just come from a meeting uh, with an office in Liberia, which is running on a 64 kilobit uh, satellite link. 
Uh, and if you're trying to invest in systems that can operate in everything from effectively trying to transmit a single signal down a damp piece of string, in effect, um, through to what most people understand as good communications networks uh, in, in, uh, in some of the built-up areas of the world, it's, it's very, very challenging. I think the, the other challenge, if we look at it from a, a business imperative, um, you know, one of the problems we have as a central operation within an organization that does a lot of good around the world is to convince people that it's important to invest in the infrastructure to make the operation efficient and uh, uh, work effectively around the world. Because, of course, there is this, this, this challenge of if we give you a pound, then that pound isn't going out into the field uh, to do some infrastructure development or teaching or even humanitarian effort. So it's, it's really important that the business cases underline and identify that the investment is really important to, to improve our efficiency in the field. So there's a couple of areas that, uh, that I think of. Um, where we do have serious challenges. But you'll probably also see how that mirrors um, a number of businesses in, in, in the uh, commercial sector. Now, with, with what you just uh, mentioned, your uh, very industry, I, I'm not sure to call it industry, but a, a segment or the type of organization that you are, people typically would say, okay, IT exists or, or this is just, uh, you know, makes my phone work, makes my internet work, and that's about it. But behind the scenes, they would still have challenges which would require them to become better than their so-called competitors. That means attract more donors and then be able to keep a track on where this money is being spent. There is no revenue leakage and or there's no um, inappropriate and or uh, unwise distribution of that uh, that that in you know knowledge and or uh, dollars that is coming so with all that said with their relatively uh, vintage mindset and at least that's what was heard that not for profits and or such organizations do not at the business level have a very progressive approach to leveraging technology and think beyond the obvious how does that compound the challenge for you Oh, it's it's interesting. I hadn't um, I hadn't heard that that people would think that of us. Uh, I mean, if you get, if I give you my background, I, I'm come from the uh, commercial sector. Prior to uh, being a CIO of Oxfam, I was with the BBC in in London uh, for three years, and prior to that, I was with a major utility for a number of years, and uh, in a very hard commercial sector. Uh, and I think a lot of my uh, peers in the organisation are, are from that uh, kind of background too. We, we use all the systems and technologies that every other business does. You know, we bring in about uh, 400 million pounds per annum and uh, you can't do that on, on small systems. So we have an ERP, we use PeopleSoft um, for our HR and finance systems and also our program management systems. Uh, we have a uh, site core as our CMS platform for the web front end, which we run on a private cloud uh, via IBM. Um, my data center, uh, one of my data centers, in fact, is is a hybrid uh, uh, virtual estate using VMware, and uh, um, and we're moving on to a hybrid approach with a, 
a um, private public cloud. Um, one of you know, so I think the everything I've learned in the hard nosed commercial sector, if you want, applies in in the charity sector. You know, we're here to to make maximum use of the income that we're given. Uh, we don't want to waste the money. Uh, we're very focused. And if I give you an example, you know, for every pound donated to Oxfam, 83p goes directly to the emergency development and campaigning work. Just 10p goes on support costs, and 7p we invest in fundraising. And that's a, that's a pretty tight um, uh, cost control model that we have, and I think very effective. Uh, so, uh, you know, we work very, very hard to be efficient. So I think there's a little bit of a, uh, a misconception about, uh, about charities. And I think the other thing is that not all charities are the same. There's some large charities. There's all the way down to smaller charities. And perhaps the only thing we have in common with across the whole piece is that we don't make money for shareholders. Other than that, we're in different business sectors. Um, so Oxfam, for example, is we do humanitarian relief. We do infrastructure building, so that's, the, that's to stop people forming um, or, or getting into, into a position where we need to do humanitarian effort. Uh, we also have uh, 700 shops in the UK for generating income, and they make a profit. Uh, we also do advocacy, so you know, we're, we're not just a humanitarian effort. So we work in a number of different areas doing uh, different work. And you can't do that unless you're particularly effective and successful in those areas. You will get called out. So it, it is interesting that you would say that. But I think our view, and certainly when I was asked to, to join this organization, it was very much of the lines of don't think of us as a little charity above a shop that's desperate for, for cash. We're a professional organization. We run very efficiently, and we, we look to make sure that we, we do these things in an efficient way. So one is efficiency, and I'm, I'm sure another is effectiveness. So when you try to come in there, do you see a bean counter mindset and or an investor's mindset when you're given a very small percentage of whatever the revenue is, whether it's form of donation or grants? If you see a very small percentage, you have to get creative. And when you put resources uh, in, in, in an organization where you have to very carefully allocate what you're going to put in technology, what you're going to put in people and all process improvement. Are you ever looking at this as a constraint or you think that you have enough generosity from uh, the executive management for you to do your job better? Oh, I don't think we're any different from a commercial sector here. Um, yes, there's constraints. Yes, my uh, CEO uh, talks to the FD, and they both want me to reduce my costs by 5% a year. But talk to any other CIO um, around the world, and you're, you're going to find the same thing. Uh, what we do have is the ability to go back and demonstrate with business cases that if we invest uh, money, uh, we could be more efficient. And if we do that, we can get the income uh, or, or the money to do the project. So, um, yes, cost control is, is there. Um, would I say we're, we're always seen as a value adder and, and um, close to the business? I think it's variable. And, you know, quite often we are seen as a cost center. And certainly when I joined the organization, I, I certainly felt that way. It was seen as IS as a cost to the organization. I've worked very hard with uh, redesigning the group here. 
so that we're now seen as as uh, being part of the solution and making things happen. So we're deeply involved with mo- almost every part of the business now, now at some level, and they're able to work with them to identify um, costs and drive costs out of the organisation. One of those areas being, for example, at the moment where we're starting to move to a common data standard and data marts and the use of big data moving across from our uh, support and marketing group through to trading and even into the field operations. And the idea, of course, there is to get very intelligent uh, management information that lines up uh, donation information all the way through to output in the field and saying not only did we spend money there, but this was the benefit of that investment and understand the value chain all the way through. Um, and IS has, has a great opportunity to do that. It's one of the few parts of the organization that is horizontal and in every other part of the uh, the organization so i you know yes we're under challenges i don't find it any more challenging than any other organization and if you do and are able to demonstrate uh uh projects that, that provide efficiencies then we can do it yeah at the moment we're going to do the network transformation program next year that's a substantial investment to to upgrade all the network across all the organization that uh, should be going live uh, first quarter next year we're doing um a data center consolidation and and the virtualization um the hybridization with with private cloud uh 18 months ago we moved our web platform from an internal hosted solution to a cloud solution to give better um, reliability and performance and cost. Uh, so all those things are actually costed outside the normal um, uh, cost base of IS. So they come in as project activity. So you can you can do things if you can demonstrate its value, just like the commercial sector. Let's take a quick break. Listeners will be right back. And let's look at the way these challenges that exist today in the world of giving, how have they morphed over the last decade? We want to do things new. We want to do things differently, more effective. We want to fail fast. We want to fail cheap. And then if given uh, the world of giving also differs in the way you where you are and what type of geopolitical factors that we may have and or the social factors you may have so which would impact the revenue as well as what you spend the money on eventually what we are looking for is maximum value getting created and visibility into what value got created in a quantifiable and or quality qualitative uh, level how do you make all this happen and how have these challenges and or these tasks morphed over the last few years and where they are going? Let's explore this. When we come back, please stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Take control of eDiscovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Peter, the question here would be that you, you must be trying to do this for your organization, and you've seen other organizations doing too. So as a sector, as a vertical, if you will, of giving, how have these challenges morphed? How much of a difference do they make from one region to another, and what geosocial and geopolitical uh, factors, how do they impact the value creation? Yeah, I mean, if I look at the technology, from the technology, uh, point of view in here, one of the, the challenges we've had is, you know, obviously technology is penetrating further in, into some of the areas we work in. Um, but that also makes it difficult. If I give a very specific example, uh, which initially seems almost silly, but, you know, uh, it's fairly well known that you would encrypt your laptops now for, um, security and safety. And again, we're, we're no different to anybody else. But when you put them through different countries, um, many countries have different uh, policies around this, uh, even some that you think would be, be fairly straightforward, like France, uh, would limit the amount of encryption you could do. And in some countries you work in, you're not allowed to encrypt at all. So when you're putting through solutions, you have to be very aware of, of um, just simple things like that. Uh, some countries won't allow you to run through your own network provider. You have to go through their network providers, even if they give you problems. So they, they really uh, can create uh, issues on um, uh, just on, on the, the, the a change of government or a change of politics. Uh, and Ethiopia recently uh, uh, decided to make it difficult for Skype users. Uh, then there was a clarification it wasn't. So sometimes you, you, you don't know if there's going to be a challenge in these, these countries where you're not allowed to use technology or, or um, you are. Um, I mean, one of the other, you know, in terms of end-user uh, impacts of the way uh, that technology has, has shifted things is, is uh, the mobile phone has, has become... Uh, tremendously um, important in, in a number of areas. And I'll give you two examples or a couple of examples that I think uh, are interesting. In, in um, a couple of countries, we've, uh, in, we've worked to uh, empower women. So women's rights are tremendously important. How do we make sure they have the, the power to, to make things happen? And so we've given them pink phones. And ping phones aren't uh, liked by the males in, in, in the villages. So the women tend to have these phones. But once they've got the phones, they're able to communicate with each other. They're able to, to talk to, to others about what price uh, grain is getting, for example, and so on. And what, it done, what it's done, it's shifted the, the power away from just the men into the women. And, and this is really good at, at balancing up um, uh, villages. It also means that they begin to recognise that they've got another work group that can do more than than, than has done before. So you, you know that can have a have a real impact. And maybe you don't know, but you know one one of the facts I just love to pull out every now and then is that in Africa, more youths have access to a, a mobile phone than they do a, a toilet. And I think, you know, if you consider how long the toilet's been around and how long the mobile phone's been around, you can see what that means. And so you're getting, you know, big shifts in terms of people understanding what technology can do, 
mobile payment mechanisms coming in, um, particularly in Africa, um, and jumping whole, whole batches of, of technology, and, and they're able to, to move quite rapidly. So now, yeah, I think one of a, the yeah, that is a pretty good uh, you know insight into how the the trends are and how technology is getting adopted. Now, uh, I remember some time back I saw there was a research done that if you are eating uh, a piece of bread in a supermarket, you can trace it back to its original source. Now, people would love to know that okay, if I spend ten dollars, where was its you know, spend so that I know uh, somebody got impacted who I can relate to, I can see a picture of, and, and that, that would make me uh, spend even more knowing that how am I, my, my, my dollars, whatever incremental money that I'm spending is impacting somebody in particular versus a broad stroke or, or, or a vague uh, black hole, if you will, where the money is going, and I don't know how. So have we created or have we attempted to create that visibility track, if you will, starting from some money donated by someone all the way to an individual or a specific group, and that information is made very public, very transparent to the individuals? That would be some of the very basic things somebody would expect when when it comes to giving. Yes, I mean, it's, it's uh, certainly... Um, with our larger donors and governments, uh, when they give us substantial uh, sums, they'd like to understand where it's gone and its effectiveness. So we've put in uh, something called PMID, which is based on our PeopleSoft system. Uh, it's effectively a dashboarding and accounting package, really, for programs. And it demonstrates where donor money and, and every donor that's contributed to a particular program, it demonstrates where that's gone, what it's been spent on. And uh, we can play that back to the donor and, and often do. And if we've not spent money for whatever reason, uh, we can return the money to the donor and uh, demonstrate uh, that we don't just spend the money uh, that it, because they gave it to us, that it, it's gone for a specific activity. I think that's allowed us to become quite effective and, and uh, quite successful at uh, in maintaining and even increasing um, income from those donors who want that. I think to move that into an individual like you and I, uh, we can do a bit of that, and we have done some of that. It, of course, becomes more complex as you get into you know, many th- hundreds of thousands, millions, actually, of donors. It becomes uh, quite complex to do that. But I think that's inevitable, and I think you know, we, we can do some of that at the moment uh, to varying degrees, and it will become more um, – uh, get more of that happening as, as we move through uh, the years. And I think what we are seeing is, you know, again, from a technology point of view, is the donors want to come closer to the benefactors. So they want to see where the money's going. They want to see how it's been spent. And uh, you're going to, you know, we, we now demonstrate a lot more to, to potential donors and individuals showing them the, uh, with videos and multimedia and such forth. So it, it, it's to be expected, but it can be very challenging if you think of many thousands of programs we might have going on at any one time. So we, try and shift people into program types and then demonstrate with those particular programs, maybe at country level, maybe at sub-country level, and, and programs within that and show them how well we've done in that country, um, what our effectiveness has been, um, and we even demonstrate where we've not been effective and what we've done to either correct that or decide that that's not the, the proper way to go. What type of expectations did people hold earlier and what do they have it now in terms of uh, if you are the 
source of uh, getting somebody AIDS on uh, on uh, basically making their life better. On the other hand, there are some organizations, government as well as individuals who want to donate. What is their expectations from you and how are they changing? Um, can you talk me through that one story a little bit more? In the sense like, yeah, so I expect, see, when we say we are any, any organization which wants to be successful and wants to innovate, if they do it around what customers expect and sometimes they even wow those customers. So you could have two sets. One is the donor, another is someone who is a recipient of that aid that you are providing. So both of them would have expectations from you and that would have been something different in the past perhaps and we don't know yet and maybe you can validate that for us. And if it all it is, then how are you keeping a close connection between what you do within IT or working alongside business to create value and then meet and exceed those expectations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, it's a, it's a good point. I, I, again, it comes back to I think people expect to be closer to the bene- beneficiary now. Um, certainly governments have become very aware that the taxpayers' uh, money uh, needs to be justified. And so they, they want to see um, that you've got the correct processes in place, the system. So this is, this is again, where you know, we've invested in our ERP, PeopleSoft, and, and developing that so that we have um, clear technology systems that can track money and, and can track its usage. Uh, we've invested in something called Helios, for example, which is our supplies and logistics platform. So it tracks uh, when we buy a uh, product for, for distribution in the field. We, we track where it is, what it is. If it hasn't been used, it's also tracked so we can re- either reuse it or um, uh, certainly make make sure that we don't overbuy again. So, you know, since we've introduced those systems and those platforms, we've had significant effect at reducing our stores handling and optimizing that. That information has just recently been reviewed by, by the UK government here, as, as pointed out, as being very successful. It's the DFID, the local, uh, so the, the government organization that charged with that. And it, so there's a number of routes. There's technology routes that go through the, that route to prove and demonstrate, and, and we use that a lot um, with the benefactors. Uh, when we engage with the benefactors, uh, we talk to them in different ways, of course, you know, and I think it, it, it depends as who you are as to what you want and what you're interested in. If you're a large government organization, you're, you're going to want usually something slightly different to um, individuals. So, yeah, we, we have specific um, approaches to those and demonstrate uh, where, we, where we're effective. Uh, we have an open book policy with a lot of the uh, organizations we work with to demonstrate that as well. And, of course, we have you know, control systems in place, so audit uh, group and internal audit um, plus other checks and balances. So we're always checking and verifying and, and comparing programs to make sure that, that, that it seems a reasonable outcome. Um, plus we have um, something called MEL, which is our uh, program for doing effectiveness in the field. So we, we find out, if we say we're going to you know, make uh, 10,000 people uh, better off by having whatever it might be, uh, phones, and you know they're able to take control and improve their life. We put measures in and we go back and we check that those measures were achieved. And if they weren't achieved, we try and understand why that is. Was that something we did or didn't do? So there's this constant learning, constant feedback, not just using technology, um, not just building in um, management information systems, but having many ways of doing it. 
So let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, let's look at what are the typical directives for and expectations from IT. Is IT being used to its full potential? If you were to, uh, Peter, look at your agenda for 2013, what would you want to do new and different in order to meet IT's full potential in terms of creation of value for the business of giving? And if we could look at some of the IT innovations or unique things that IT can help do in creating some advantage for the business, what are those? What are some of those non-obvious competitive advantage creation avenues we could explore going forward so that we get more uh, donations and then we use them more effectively? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Take control of eDiscovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So what are the directives for and expectations of IT? And is IT being used to its full potential? And where do you think IT could be used to obvious advantage over what it is being 
done today. So what are the, the, the closed door directives that you get and open directives you get to say, I'm spending money on IT. I need this value creation back. Yeah, it's it's a good one, and I think again, as every IT director in the world will know, you know, you, the, the business will always wants more for what they're prepared to pay for, um, and it's no different with us. And in fact, today I was in a board meeting where we're talking about SLAs and KPIs, and uh, you know, why did an office in Tuzakistan uh, go off for, for three weeks? Um, and that was not really a technology issue. We had uh, equipment stuck in customs, you know, which is some of the challenges, of course, we have with with an operation. So I think, you know, we, we, um, we have to report back. We have to demonstrate our value. And, uh, you know, again, it comes back to service levels. We're a 24-7 IT operation. Um, you know, so we, we work um, uh, all around the globe from, from Asia around through to South America. And, uh, and that gives us big challenges with what we do. And, and coming up, you know, talking about what, what are you know, the major challenges for me coming up? Well, the network improvement is, is really vital. Unless we get those networks um, working effectively around the world, the business is going to suffer. And in fact, at the moment, I would say, you know, we're, we're hitting that point already. Uh, and yeah, we've got our primary and backup network systems running at just about 95% capacity almost all the time now, which means when we have bursting, we have challenges. And we're big users here of video conferencing because, of course, we don't want to fly people around the world. We have a green agenda, but you know, we do have people all around the world. So that puts massive demands on our network. So for me this year in particular, this coming year, the network improvement uh, program is really important to upgrade and, and put more bandwidth in a managed way all around the world. Uh, following on from that, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of investment around the data center, bringing that uh, into the hybrid environment so we can uh, flex up and down. And uh, one of the things I talked about earlier was the private cloud, uh, which we have with IBM. Uh, for our web front end, that's for our uh, customer facing front end, and that hosts our shop, our um, uh, information site, if you want, and our donation page. And the reason we put that on a, on a cloud and saying how did uh, yeah, how was that important to the business? Well, when I first joined the organisation, it was hosted internally, and when we had a disaster, um, one of the problems was we would have a peak that could be a hundred times, maybe even more than that, a um, hundred times greater than our normal. Uh, hits on the on the uh, center, and that meant that the the network wasn't si- sized for it. The servers fell over. Uh, so now we have a cloud that can expand and shrink as necessary. So when if you know round about Christmas, for example, we have uh, a growing demand for our online shop, and that that you know goes up twenty to thirty times the normal. Uh, we can manage that through through normal capacity building. That ramps up gradually, and in fact, this week reaches its peak, and then will gradually die down uh, at Christmas. Uh, but if we had have a humanitarian disaster like Haiti, like the tsunami, and and so on, um, that peak can be a hundredfold or more um, than the normal usage uh, pattern. And, and the cloud environment is really important for us, so we can scale up within hours. Uh, and meet that peak. And, that, and that's because people will actually donate money to us. So if we don't have a website that is capable of taking that donations, we're losing income stream because people will come to us, they'll try to give money. If they can't give money to us, they go to another party to give money. And this is a bit where we say the charity sector is very like the commercial sector. If we, if we lose
this customer. We may lose them for a long time. They may go to a, a, an alternative charity. They may stay in that charity's website and buy uh, stuff off that charity. So we may lose that person. We may lose potential long-time uh, supporter and donator because we weren't able to respond. So that's a good example of where we use technology to to uh, support the business. And the network is, is uh, improvement program is very much in the same vein. By making it stronger, making it uh, more resilient, we can use more video conferencing. Uh, we can bring more multimedia, for example, like just-in-time training and such forth, into the field where it's needed at the time it's needed. So, uh, so what you just uh, mentioned definitely shows a lot on your shoulders to carry and you're going to be doing what you're supposed to do. Now, do you think the innovation that people expect uh, from the way you're going to carry out your work and how uh, the world of giving is going to do anything different, you, you think that innovation is an ongoing thing or is it coming in, in bits and pieces? What is the mindset? What's the mindset? Are we, are we in the world of giving saying use something which is very predictable or you always are given the opportunity to create sandbox? Yeah, we're, we're um, quite a creative organization and, and we have a digital comms team specifically to look at uh, the uh, new ways we can use the, the digital, for want of a better word, but anything in that domain that, that might help us generate uh, more income. Uh, engage with the uh, donators in, in a better way, and, and generally, you know, raise, obviously raise our income streams, which is very important. So that that sort of customer-facing side is is really important for us. From an IT point of view, where we work with those those guys that are very similar to marketing um, uh, people, really, but with a digital specialism, you know, the IT guys are quite excited because you know we we run the infrastructure usually, that these um, guys put their platforms on. So there's a good working relationship at trying to ensure that what we do is, is leading the, the way. Um, our shops are doing a technology improvement program. And again, we're looking at what we put in the shops to, to generate uh, great to income. Um, and one of the, again, a uh, really interesting uh, projects that was kicked off last year, something called the History of Things, um, but what that is is effectively an intelligent tag associated with a piece of clothing or an article that had been donated and suddenly gives that article some providence because what you can do with it is is create some history with it. And every time that article got sold on, you add your history to this 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 tag. Um, so suddenly this this you know simple plain shirt you know, may have pictures of it being worn in um, pop concerts around the world, doing some good somewhere, you know, in different locations. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got something which is a cheap T-shirt, suddenly having providence and having some interest. And we're quite interested in that because we think, you know, a lot of our donators do really interesting things. And I think if you saw where some of these things were used or taken uh, and have a tag with them, you'd have, yeah, it, it creates something quite interesting, valuable and unique about a product that may not have any intrinsic value. And I think that's an exciting bit. You know, that's, that's something I think is different about the sector. We look for innovative ways uh, to, to generate income and, and excitement. And that helps me with, with recruitment in IT. Sorry, Tim. No, which is a good thing. So we were just about to come to people. Now, people could come in two flavors. Number one would be where you have uh, folks who are uh, your value chain partners and other are people within your own troops. So with that said, what do you think 
is what's going to drive them. So let's take two pieces. One is your supply chain or a value chain partners. They are not driven by the higher purpose. So what drives them? What do you do to create influence so that they put the best foot forward and basically help create the value that you want them to create at the level you want them to create? And then the next one is your own internal troops, which is IT troops. And the third is your business user community, which you don't have them directly reporting to you but you have some sort of an influence so that the combined impact of your value chain players, your own troops, as well as your business users who work within your organizations, all three of them, all three flavors of people, or maybe the fourth one you can add is executive management. How do well, these that- four, four, yeah, see, so you've got four <laughs> types of animals that you are trying to work with, and uh, you got to create value. So what do you do to pull that magic? Um, well, let's, let's start with our uh, partners, our business partners, uh, people like IBM. Um, first of all, you, you know, you'd be surprised, actually. I think they, they have corporate social responsibility uh, pockets, like a lot of organizations do. But they're also um, manned by people like you and I. Uh, so it, it works in a multiple way. And if I use the IBM uh, relationship that we have here for the private cloud um, and some other things, um, at one level, they want to work with us because we do things. I think, you know, Oxfam GP has been recognized as, as pushing ahead, making things happen. And so we've, we've created a strong brand for IT, certainly within the UK. Um, recently I was lucky to get an award and, uh, you know, the department got an award as 20, in the top 25 most influential, um, CIOs in, in the UK. And that was based, I think, on what we've done here with, with technology. And, you know, we, we can make things happen. So organizations do want to work with us. You know, we, we have one-to-one relationships with all the tier one suppliers, IBM, Vodafone, BT, AT&T, you know, quite a number of Cisco. You know, we work directly with them. Um, we're not a big income stream for them. Clearly, that, that's not, not, not the point. But we do things and we do it around the world. Um, I would say we've got a very professional organization here. So when they come and talk to us, they don't get mucked about. Uh, we have, um, we're very clear about what we want and share our technology plans. So they're able to work on that. But the second thing is that we actually work with them to build a team spirit. And most of their guys that work with us at some point come and do some work for us. So we have um, their architects doing some training off their own back um, to some of my architects in here. Uh, things like um, business interface and writing reports. So helping to do some skills transfer. Some of this is supported by IBM, but quite often this is done off the guy's own back. And this is, I think, is, you know, what's really important is that you've got to think of these organizations as not just being commercial entities. They are. They're there to make money. And, you know, the CSR, corporate social responsibility part is, is useful. But they have people as well. And these people want to go, do a good job. And they know if they work with us, they can do a good job. And that helps when it comes to me, when I talk about my own IT staff, is that we expose them to the corporate enterprise-grade companies. So people like Cisco, IBM, BT, Vodafone, they ask us, how can you help? What can we can do to help? And you know, we, we tap into that. So a lot of my guys are doing all the things that would be done in the commercial sector. Um, but I would say what we have here is because we're not so large, is that we can actually get things done, and I think, yeah, there's there's you know some really interesting uh, dynamics there. Uh, one of the new things we're just putting in, for example, the next year is WebSphere, 
Um, so we're going to have people trained on it. We're going to bring some people in as well. But that had to be, be deployed across a number of our products for, for the new year. So WebSphere is an important product and, and a very settable skill. So what I tend to do with guys and say, look, you don't have to work for us forever. You can work for me for three years or so. That would be fine. Just give me your, your full attention. Give me everything you can give in those three years. And when you go out, I can guarantee the skills you've got will be sellable on, in a bigger market. And then with the Are business. We- Sorry, go on. Yeah, so let's take a quick break yeah. and let's continue the conversation when we come back. So listeners, please stay tuned. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. What if you were able to make extra money in your free time? Okay, we hear that all the time. But High Yield is all about finding investment strategies that have proven results. Your hosts, Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds, will bring you the insider tips that will help create double-digit yields and give you the quality of life you want, despite a troubled economy. Just keep your mind open and listen every week for High Yield with Frank and Dave. Fridays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. All right, welcome uh, back, listeners. Okay, so continue, Peter. It was very interesting conversation we are having, on, and you were so, about on the business side. We were, yes. We talked about the the staffing side, and uh, and that also then follows across into our business customers. So our um, business users who are you know quite tech savvy nowadays. They're they're you know one of my biggest challenges sometimes is the the shadow IT departments, um, but. 
they now have access to, to the corporate partners at a technology level. So we invite them along to briefing days, to uh, uh, technology demonstration and so on. So we, you know, at least once every six to eight weeks, uh, we have a day with a supplier, an existing supplier, who will take us through what, what they're working on, what they're doing. And so, you know, we, we work across many areas, be that retail, um, marketing, data analytics for CRM, for example, uh, is one we did recently. Another one we did recently was mobile technology with Vodafone and uh, how we may deploy that internally and externally. So, it, you know, it helps us to build a much stronger relationship with our business customers. We get a joint view of what's going on. And uh, working with those large suppliers is, is very useful at, uh, at um Keeping the technical skills up for my for my IT uh, guys. Now we did talk about the board and at board level, how does that affect it? Um, well, one of you know the useful things again is because you're working with these tier one type suppliers, is that their board generally wants to talk to your board. So we you know we um, almost have to fight off uh, the the directors wanting to talk to each other uh, because of course as we all know that can be a dangerous thing when you get two directors in a room trying to discuss strategy. So, so uh, yeah, <laughs> no, no, this is good. So, so now let's talk about the big data and or business and intelligence and or other solutions that could be provided, used or actually leveraged to provide that deep insight, which would perhaps help make big or even incremental difference. And when every dollar counts or every every pound counts, then we are looking at. Uh, we should be looking at things that what other people are talking may be donors in or the people who are receiving the aid, the government officials, etc., and mine all that data to make changes in the way we approach them, the messaging that we put out there so that the overall appeal of your organization as someone which is a conduit to giving really rises and shines. So is that is that being done to the nth degree or to, to the required degree that you would like to... Yeah, it's, it's a good challenge. I mean, I, I think it, where we are at the moment, frankly, we're still in silos. Uh, we have marketing supporter data that I would say is extremely well done and uh, with, with good data marts, um, third generation CRM, a uh, lot of data analytics about marketing. But we have fairly poor crossover between that and in you know, direct field operations. So trying to, to link up uh, donation data all the way through to effectiveness in the field is is a bit of a challenge, and that's been a ongoing challenge internally to 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 align that. And yeah, you know, one of the things that everybody thinks of is well, create a data warehouse, and then we'll be able to do it. But as anybody who's done that before will tell you, that's got a limited lim- limited um, uh, capability. So what we're working on at the moment are a sets of intelligent data tools and data marts. And as we start to replace systems, as we are about to do with our CRM over the next 18 months to two years, that's uh, the plan for that, um, as we've upgraded some of our PeopleSoft and, and field operations, and as we bring in other systems like our Helios system for logistics, as we bring them on is to align the data structures and data marts so there's some consistency across the piece. And that is starting to have an effect. What I'm beginning to do also is, is to create the... Um, function internally within IS of a, a data architects. So we're talking with the business equivalents and, and getting their buy into this and particularly around marketing and we're we trying to see 
uh, and use our SMD department, support and marketing department, trying to use them as the business lead on that and, and drive that through as the concept that data is important and the big data that we're doing is, is really where we should be focusing. And I have to say it's got some traction. So if you asked me a year ago, I'd have said, well, we've had um, a year's worth of meetings about BI and MI, but we're still in silos. If you ask me this time next year, I reckon we'll be in a, a, an interesting place where we're at least starting to, to use uh, data tools that cross uh, data marts in a much more intelligent way. Now, when you were to uh, go back and try to put uh, a number in front of uh, your business leaders to say that this is where uh, the success was brought about in terms of giving, what is that, 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 those numbers or what are those figures that you think would make uh, that investment look like it was a worthwhile ROI? And is it really something that you can connect to uh, specific numbers or it is for the most part qualitative? No, it's was, it was a mixture, if I'm honest. Um, but I'll give you a good example that the e-commerce offering um, where we re-platform the website, put it on the cloud, Work with the business partner, business partner to create um, a single CMS for for the presence. Um, the online sales have gone up by more than 24% compared to last year. So you know, there's a significant shift. Which you know, we we did say there would be a substantial shift. We we didn't know how much. We we took a guess, if I'm honest, uh, at what that would be. Um, but we've seen a very significant shift by making the experience a better experience and making it more lined up. And part of that is, for example, when you, you buy something from our charity shop, you are then gently led into the option of, of donating and effectively creating an uplift on a sale. Uh, and that's been very effective. The other thing that we've able, been able to do by having a better online offering is to tailor responses for different devices, so mobile devices get a different experience to laptop devices. And we also know, for example, that in mobile devices, those with iPads tend to give more than those with um, uh, other devices, smartphones. So you know that you can, you can tailor a response for a particular device and get a much higher uh, donation from those uh, devices. So it's that kind of use of technology which you can then feed back and say, look, because we now know more, because we have better systems and quality, um, we can give you the analytics and tell you where to pump more money into to generate more income. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Peter. This is Peter Ransom, CIO with Oxfam. And thank you so much again for sharing your insights and thoughts about how IT can indeed empower giving. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And listeners, if you would uh, like to provide us any comments, send us to views at CIOtalkradio.com. And also please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and also follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions.